When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. I'm... I'm... <sighs> Hi. These are... Well, this is actually the final audio notes transmission of Dr. Jamie McMillan Barry aboard the DSS Amphitrite. This is being recorded for review by the board of the Casita Memorial Research Fund. My residency down here is up in two weeks, so today I'm planning to outline my paper and then summarize my research that I'm not using in my paper. It's actually most of a draft at this point. As it turns out, I am capable of doing actual work down here. So I wanted to start out by talking about time. There's a sense I get, having been down here for a while, that we hold on to time because we need to. There's no great conduit down here. Nothing that makes us a community except sheer proximity, the fear of death, and time. Topside, it's likely none of us would ever have even met, much less gotten to know each other in such intimate detail. But we're connected at dinner time. The lights come up at the same time every day, and it's morning, despite the fact that we're much too far from the surface for the concept to have any real meaning. And then when the lights go down, it's night. The very concept of time passing is based in nothing. It doesn't mean but what we say it does. Just as an aside, I'm actually quite ambivalent. I've been primarily working in the so-called Western philosophical canon thus far, but there's quite a bit that's worthy of discussion with regards to religion. Specifically, my religion. It's not as if religion isn't a viable philosophical framework, but the Greeks, the Enlightenment thinkers... That through line just doesn't involve Judaism at all. The connection I feel with my religious community is fully ensconced in the fact that we share time. Shabbos is always at sundown on Fridays, even if what sundown and Friday mean changes. However, I'm not a rabbi, and I'm nowhere near an expert in the Talmudic discussions of this particular topic. So I might use it, but I might not probably won't. Like I said, ambivalent. Going back a couple steps, though, I think that the discussion of time being such a nebulous concept is something I can tie back into the allegory of the cave. I remember talking to Hamish about this months ago now, about how when you're so far away from the light, that is the source of reason and truth, 
everything gets distorted. I think this is true, and I want to take it a step further. I think we create the bulk of the distortion. I cannot remember exactly what the sunrise looks like. I just can't do it. I've tried, but whenever I try, it bleeds into watercolor. (sighs) That pun was multifaceted and completely unintentional. Point being, I remember artists' interpretations of the sky and the sunrise in Philadelphia better than I remember the real things, which is because living in this environment has pushed me into the realm of what feels like hyper-reality. I don't want to seem pessimistic here, but this is not a hospitable place to live. And when the only thing you know, the only thing you can prove with what you can observe around you, the only thing that can't be doubted away in the Dakarshan sense is the station... With all this ugliness around you, it's quite easy to assume, to start to believe, even, that the whole world is this ugly. But then I remember the little pieces of wonder, the bioluminescent nematodes that make the ocean floor look like the night sky, the fact that you can get them to move if you have the know-how, and even the eldritch horrors. There is a strange, unreal, alien beauty to them. They seem wrong from an evolutionary standpoint, but they are so perfectly suited to where they live and what they do that it makes them elegant anyway. This brings me, in a very roundabout way, to my third point. Three's a good number, I think. Three very broad and complex topics that I've narrowed down to usability. Anyway, the third thing I want to hearken back to is the Vern. This idea that the sea is the great creator. All things come from it. Everything will eventually go back to it. It's completely egalitarian in its destruction and what it gives birth to. It's sublime in the romantic sense, a perfect combination of the beautiful and the grotesque. In a very real way, it gave life to you, but it will kill you without regard and without mercy and without care. The sea is a microcosm of the whole universe in that way. In another sense, the sea is a reminder to the human race of our own futile wrestling with our hubris. The world, the Western world at least, and I realize that's a nebulous term, but as I said, I've been primarily looking at the Western philosophical tradition, has pretty successfully tricked itself into thinking that we've tamed nature. Living in the depths of the ocean, seeing, feeling how powerful it can be, is a reminder of the fact that we're basically ants in the grand scheme of things. It's not even a reminder of a higher power, just of the fact that you yourself, despite what every written text might say, are so very, very low, comparatively speaking. Dr. McMillan Barry, could you please come see me on the comm deck? I've got a somewhat important matter to discuss with you. I... sure, I guess. I mean, I was working on something, but... I can stop it for a few minutes to come to the comm deck. Excellent. Odd. I'm approving your request for docking and medical assistance. Thank you, Rafa Trady. You're welcome. We'll see you soon. 
Jamie, thanks for coming by. I didn't really get the impression it was a come-by-at-my-leisure sort of request. True. Uh, I do genuinely regret interrupting your work, but in this case, I thought it better we had this conversation sooner rather than later. And, in fact, before you got too involved in wrapping up your time here and getting ready to return topside. Uh, I'm not really following. Do you need to conduct some kind of exit interview before I go or something? Let me... Work my way around to what I want to say. Okay. By now, you've gotten a taste of what kinds of things can go wrong on this station. (laughs) Yeah, you could say that. And you've handled yourself, I have to say, quite well. You followed instructions, you pitched in and helped me focus my attention where it was needed most, and you didn't let your fear get the better of you. Thanks, Captain Aspros. Which brings me around to my point. Panopt would like to expand the long-term crew contingent on the station. There are births and lab spaces going unused, and unused space means space that's not making Panopt any money. Oh, I'm sure it'll be uh, nice to have a few more faces down here, at least. Mm, one thing it will definitely be is more logistical and administrative work. More than I can really handle on my own, so Panopt has just authorized an additional staff position to support the additional science work. Long story short, I'd like to offer that position to you. Me? But I, why, uh, you just explained why. That's what was happening. Mm-hmm. And if I don't want to? If I say no? Then you go. This isn't an order. I'd never try to force you to stay. I'm just offering you right of first refusal. And saving myself a lot of time sorting resumes and conducting interviews. Would I be going back topside, then returning with with the new kids or something? No, we don't know when new slots would be filled and when people would be coming down. You'd file your work with the Casita Memorial Research Fund, as previously arranged, and then transition to working directly for Panot. I... I was kind of planning on being back topside for the holidays, but I guess... The holidays? The Jewish High Holidays. Rosh Hashanah, the first one, starts on September 20th this year. Ah, uh, pardon me. It's fine. I just... I don't know. Do you need an answer right now? No, by all means. Take some time to think about it. Let me know what you've decided by the end of the week. I... I will. Thank you, Captain Asperos. God, I didn't oh, mean shit. To- I'm sorry, you- that was... Oh. Uh, Jamie. What brings you to the comms room, Doctor? I was just wandering the halls looking for my favorite romantic literature specialist. What are you doing here? I think I just got a job offer. And you had to go to the comms room to get it? Well, it was an offer from Captain Aspros to work uh, here. I... Be like Phaedra Light? Nice. Are you gonna take it? I don't know. I haven't decided yet. I've got the rest of the week to think about it. Well, I hope you stay. I... Thanks. So, want me to, uh, walk you back to the lab? 
Mm, tempting, but no, I actually also need to talk to the good captain. I'll see you later, Jamie. Bye. Jack, are you okay? What are you doing? Right as rain, Doc Berry. Just gotta... Just doing a walk through. Gotta see the station. Cabin fever, huh? Been cooped up in there way too long. You know, usually that phrase is a little more metaphorical. Jack, does Peterson know you're out of med bay? Not as far as I know. Made sure to leave when they were gone. Okay, you need to rest that leg. Here, let's get you down. Do you want me to go get Peterson? No, no. I just need to sit for a minute. So, uh, how is your leg? (laughs) It's like hell. It was a lot more fun when I was high as a kite. (laughs) I can imagine. I'm a little surprised you didn't lose your voice after all that singing, though. Somehow I thought every Australian knows the lyrics to Waltzing Matilda by heart was an overly stereotypical assumption. Not that much. It's practically the national anthem. Made up so many new verses in the Navy, I just about forgot the real ones, though. Did you like it? Like what? Singing Waltzing Matilda for hours while I was drugged to the gills? Being in the military. What do you want to know? Thinking of joining the service? No, but I might end up down here longer than I was originally anticipating, and I'm curious. Huh. It was alright. Not in the military anymore, though, am I? No, you're not. How come? What brought you down here instead? Just another job. I worked with Captain Asperus on a commercial sub a few years back. So when the position here came up, I tossed my hat into the ring. And here you are. Here I am. You didn't say why you left the military. No, I didn't. Are you going to? So, why do you go into the military in the first place if it wasn't your thing? What? You never taken a job that ended up being a bad fit? Sure, but my poor life choices didn't involve swearing an oath to defend the Constitution. Or, uh, whatever the equivalent is you swear when you join the Australian Navy. What do you need to know all this for? Even if you are going to be down here a while longer. It runs in the family. My granddad served, my dad served, my brother serves, I served. You have a brother? Yep. Older or younger? Older. My sister's older than me, too. She still lives in Philadelphia. She's a housewife. What's her name? Hannah. Is he still in the Navy? What? Your brother. You said he serves, present tense. Your brother's still in the Navy? Yep. But you're not. No. Look, 
What does this have to do with anything? How'd you like it if someone came along and started playing 20 bloody questions with you about your life? How'd you end up down here at the bottom of the ocean? What does your family think about it? Jack, wait, hang on. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to... Okay, no, that's a lie. I absolutely did mean to pry, but I didn't mean to upset you so much. I'm fine. I'd better get back to medical before Peterson finds me gone and starts shouting. Again. Do you... uh, Can I give you a hand or something? No. Go find someone else to pester. going to take the job. Yeah, I'm going to take the job. I don't have much else in the way of job prospects, and I've always been a jump first, ask questions later type of person where major life decisions are concerned. This is not my best quality, I will admit. And I guess I actually do like it down here. I'm going to let Phaedra sweat about it a little, though. I'll tell her in a few days. Here's another decision. I'm going to leave the bit about time and religious connection out. It's too... It hits too close to home, I guess, for a research paper. I don't know that I want the Casita board to know that much about me, or that I even could write it out for all of them to see. It's... I think this is going to be the first time ever that I don't go to synagogue for the holidays. I feel a little weird about it, a little transgressive, like the first time I had pizza with meat on it. But it's not like I can take a month-long sabbatical right after starting a new job. I suppose I can do most of it myself, but it goes back to what I was saying before, that feeling of connection. You can't simulate the feeling of hearing the shofar. It's just not possible. And... You're supposed to start the year the way you mean to go on. If I take the job, I suppose it's appropriate for me to be here for the holidays. Honestly, the fact that I even have a job offer is kind of a huge relief. There aren't a lot of prospects in my field other than associate professorships or trying to cut my teeth in the publishing business. And I don't write fiction, so being a novelist or something is also out. And to level with whomever is on the other side of these audio notes, my performance in this residency has been somewhat lackluster. I mean, my audio notes have not even been in the same time zone as professional. Not that anyone at the fund has been listening to them. I think I probably would have gotten a passive-aggressive email about content or something if they were. You know, I wonder if I'd still have gotten the job offer if anyone had been listening to these notes. It's kind of hard to say, but I haven't exactly been the most complimentary of historians where Phaedra is concerned. Or the most truthful, if I'm honest. But I guess Phaedra must keep her own counsel when it comes to these things. I mean, there's no way the station hasn't gotten any complaints about Sydney, and they're still here. 
I wouldn't bet on Sydney having said anything personally offensive about the captain, though. That doesn't really seem their speed. So, the thing, to go back to what I was saying before I went and got offered a new job, the thing about the paper I've outlined is that it feels unfinished, I guess you could say. I don't really have a point, and I'm not making any particular argument about any of the texts I'm interacting with. My notes, such as they are, are structured more like I'm going to be writing a research report, and less like I actually have anything meaningful to say on any of these topics. And I suppose that makes some sense. With all the distractions, I have not really been doing the research that they sent me down here to do. I've been distracted by how the station tried really hard to fall off the face of the earth, trench, whatever, and by Mona's grief, and by my own grief. My thoughts have been elsewhere, and my research has suffered for it. If I had more time before I needed to submit something final, I'd find a way to connect all this death and loss and pain all these human tragedies to the sea, to being down so deep. But the problem is that the only way I can think to do that is to take the cynical assumption as read, to see the ocean, hell, to see the universe as this great, indifferent destroyer of worlds, of lives. And I can't do that. I can't bring myself to do that. <sighs> At the outset of this residency, I expressed a good deal of disdain for the study of philosophy. My overall opinion has not changed. I still don't care for it. What I can say, definitively, is that I have not come to any meaningful conclusion about the nature of the ocean. I have not satisfied my own intellectual curiosity. So, I think I'm going to continue to try to do some philosophical research, to study on my own, depending on how much work Phaedra has me doing. I want to answer this question. I want to figure out what this place means to me. And that's going to take some time, more than the six months I was given. I don't know if I'm going to continue this format, though. Talking to myself even though a recorder is, well, recording, gets a bit weird after a while. I feel a little crazy doing it. So, after I end my stint as a legit university-funded philosophical researcher, I kind of doubt that I'm going to keep this up. I guess that's about it. So end the audio notes of Quesita Memorial Fund Research Fellow Jamie McMillan Berry. In a few days, I'll be Research Administration Associate Jamie McMillan Berry. So for the last time, I guess that I'm signing off. Dun 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 dun. Thank you.
was that? Under Pressure is a production of the Procyon Podcast Network. This episode was written and directed by Margaret Clark and Phoebe Siders. The role of Jamie McMillan Berry was played by Madison Schaefer. The role of Captain Phaedra Aspros was played by Danielle Shamaya. The role of Dr. Mona Ramirez was played by Thea Rogers. And the role of Jack Vernon was played by Zach Valenti. The voice on the radio from the sub heiress was played by Jessica Washington. You can hear her phenomenal work in the show Greater Boston. The show is edited by Aaron S., and our music is composed by Dominic Wright. To find out more, please visit underpressurepodcast.com, or you can find us on Twitter at u underscore p underscore podcast, or on Tumblr at underpressurepodcast.tumblr.com. If you'd like to support us, the show is on Patreon at patreon.com slash underpressure. Please remember to rate and review. Thanks. The Fable and Folly Network, where fiction producers flourish.